Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we talk about trends and what's coming next. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartone. And we are Spark Partners, always on the lookout and vigilant for trends and helping you to identify how to, how to really take these trends and map them to your business to grow. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening regarding um, the electric car world, the gasoline-powered world. Uh, I myself drive a big gas-guzzling Chevy, to- or Chevy Suburban, and um, you know I'm kind of uh, interested in your take here, Adam, on what's happening with not only with Tesla, but also with the the other giants in the industry. I know that one of the things that Elon said early on in his endeavor was uh, he didn't want to be necessarily the number one car company, but he wanted to really change the industry. So let's talk about what's happening today with Ford in particular, Adam. Well, Ford a few years ago decided that it was going to pay attention to the EV business. And uh, I want to wind the clock back even before that, about a decade ago, when Ford announced it was going to get out of the uh, automobile business and basically just fall back on doing SUVs and trucks. And at the time it made that announcement, a lot of people were thought that was, uh, you know, the step into the grave, the first first round of, of the dying company. And as I studied that, I realized that, you know, it wasn't a good sign because they weren't pressing forward to grow the company. But on the other hand, they were sort of like Apple when Steve Jobs came in and he said, you know, I can't afford to fight uh, to try to be the number one in the PC business. That that, horse is out of the barn, you know, the game's over. I really need to focus the company on something new. And he, he, he cut way back on investments in the Mac and turned to try to find something else and he found mobile. And I, and I started to see the sense of that at Ford, that in fact, they didn't have the resources to continue to fight in cars, to fight in trucks, and to look forward into the new market, which was EVs. Now that, that impressed me a lot because what they started saying is I'm going to get out of the car business where I'm making investments that aren't paying off very well uh, and leave that for a war between um, uh, General Motors, uh, Volkswagen, uh, Toyota, Honda, and I'm going to put my money into not just protecting large trucks, which is the way the analysts took it, but they said I'm going to now set up a whole new business to take a look at electrics. And that's exactly the way I would recommend anybody go forward when they're looking at a big big market shift. You know, I talk about white space projects all the time, right? You know, white space projects is where you say, hey, there's something happening out there in the world. I should take and dedicate some resources to figuring out what that future is going to look like, to developing the scenario, developing the products, the solutions, figuring out what a business model might look like. We call those white space teams, and they're modeled after the white space teams that um, um, a virgin and Sir Richard Branson creates all the time in, in building up his empire. And so I'm always urging people, I said, do you have people dedicated to doing the next big thing? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I do my talks. I did, I think I did 12 of them in, in May, a pretty busy uh, month. And, you, you know, universally, nobody's got people over dedicated to doing something new. They're all busy running the business as it is. Right. But what we know is that that's very successful. When you pull the resources out and you say, hey, you three people, you're not in your old job anymore. You're going to spend every day. You're going to figure out how to go develop a new business. And that is how you get into a new business. And that was what Ford did. They said, okay, we're going to dedicate. They were very early investor in Rivian. 
Now, Rivian isn't looking real good right now, but what that did was it gave them an insight to what, to, it jump-started the business, it jump-started the game. Right. It was sort of a bit like when Facebook bought Instagram. You know, it was a way to get to know the new thing about pictures sure. at, at Facebook. You know, Instagram was going to get them out of text and into pictures. And what we saw was this, by investing early in Rivian, it taught them a lot. But they didn't stop. They took that knowledge. And now what we have is actually, Ford is actually two companies, two separate companies. There's Ford EV, which is responsible for making electric vehicles, has its own assets, has its own balance sheet, has its own P&L, has its own leadership team. And then there's what they call Ford Blue. And Ford Blue is what we think of as the historical Ford Motor Company focused on internal combustion engine automobiles. Uh, or mostly, I'm sure I said automobiles, on vehicles is a better way to phrase it because they're still very focused on, on uh, uh, pickups, light-duty trucks, and, uh, and SUVs. But what that's done is it's really said, hey, we're going to let the marketplace fight it out. And, and sure as a world, Ford comes out with the Lightning EV. And I was pretty impressed when I first heard about this. And, you know, there was some kind of fun stuff where uh, President Biden went somewhere and did a test drive and talked about how quick it was. But it struck me that they made that car awfully quickly. And I, I was kind of, how did they do that? And that was when I learned about this Ford EV. By not trying to make the electric vehicle inside the same organization making the yep. F-150. The F-150 is the most popular vehicle sold every year. So when you look at total number of vehicles sold, F-150 is always way up there. It's number one. So those guys would have all kinds of defend and extend attitudes. They would yep. not be thinking, "Oh, I want to come up with an electric. I don't want to. Why would I want to shoot the you know the best thing going, which is the yeah. F four fifty pickup, right? Why would I want to jeopardize that future?" And so that what they did at Forbes, they set up a new team, and the new team said, "Hey, we're going to go after that. We're going to go after that marketplace. And if if, for, if there's fewer F one fifty sold, so be it. We'll let the market decide." Yeah, exactly. And now they've got 200, they had 200 advance orders for the Lightning like the month it was announced, and now they've started shipping it. So we have this Ford truck. And guess what? They beat Tesla. Now, Tesla announced three years ago it was going to come out with an electric truck, and it had pictures of it and had a demo, and they showed it in Austin, Texas, and everybody got excited about it. And then, you know, a year later, it's like, well, we're going to delay it a year, and now they've come out, and Musk has said, oh, it's going to be delayed another year, and it won't be here until 2023 at the earliest, and now most people think it could be 2024. And so now we see that the first person in the market with a light-duty electric truck uh, is Ford, and now they're scaling right. up production of it. So uh, I think it's a great story. It's a big company, and I know a lot of people that listen to our blog, they're not big company people, but I would say, hey, if a company the size of Ford could make that bet, if they could say, hey, we need to get resources for the future, and to get resources for the future, we're going to take some of our poor performing products off the market. We're going to back out of some of these automobiles, and then we're going to use that money we save to invest in the new market. Right. That, that's what we preach all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's actually a great segue into, into something is, is uh, if you say yes to something, you've got to say no to something else, right? And this is a really good uh, uh, discussion point uh, around this idea of uh, white space, or we also call it blank space from time to time. And the idea here is we, we kind of call it the five M's. In order to have a successful white or, bl or blank space project, you've got to really have the five M's. You've got to have the mission. What is the mission of Ford EV? Right, to be the first or best to market, whatever. You've got to have some metrics. How are they going to measure success? 
You've got to have the right management in place. You just talked about they have their own P&L, their own management, all that. You've got to have the money, so you've got to have it well capitalized. And then finally, which is the most important that almost everybody fails at, you've got to build that moat around the business so that big mama Ford, the uh, Ford Blue, doesn't uh, decide to uh, claw back some of the, uh, the resources uh, that it's that's it used to fund the EV side. You know, we saw an example of this going all the way back into the late 1980s, early 1990s, when uh, Roger Smith was running General Motors. And at that time, he um, said, look, the car, car industry is really competitive, but I see electronics fast growing. There's more electronics in cars. And he bought um, EDS, right? Um, and then he said, oh, look, we see that uh, aircraft is growing. That's a big business. And he bought Hughes Electronics, which was an aircraft electronics company. And those companies were much more profitable than General Motors was. And then he said, you know, if we're going to compete in the future, I think we've got to think entirely differently about how to do it. And he created Saturn. And he, he put that in Ohio. And he said he had its own leadership, its own balance sheet, its own P&L, and said, hey, you create your own company. And Saturn came along, and they had a smaller car. Uh, it was one of those situations where they said the price of the car is this. There's no negotiating, no haggling, come to the dealership, buy the car. They had very specific warranty programs. They offered programs for people to regularly come in for maintenance. And Saturn was really successful. And it was so successful, it made Chevrolet and Pontiac and the other division heads really jealous. And so it, they were so jealous that when Roger Smith retired from the company, the new head comes in. And what does he do? Uh, well, every so often he, he sells off um, EDS, he sells off uh, GM HUs, and then he shuts, he, he goes to Saturn and he says, no more of this you make in your own car. You're going to share parts. You're going to share dealerships. You're going to share programs. And within one year, the Saturn that had become popular and had its own clan of followers and that it became just another division of GM and it disappeared. And now today, people, most people have forgotten that it ever existed. Yeah. So it thrived when it had white space. It thrived when it had its own people, its own mission, as you said, and its protection, its mode around it to save it from um, the defensiveness of the organization. It created their own metrics, as you said, all the stuff we teach in our course. All the things we teach about how to get a program to go forward. And Saturn thrived. When they, when they took those elements away, boom, it hurt. Today we've got this Ford EV and Ford Blue. What, I, what I'm hopeful about, and I really mean this, is that I think that we're going to see a big uh, political change. What will be kind of like Netflix. You know, when Netflix got started, it was a logistics company moving DVDs. But then it, it changed and it became a, a, a technology company where it was doing streaming. And so they changed the power structure and the logistics people lost power and the technology people gained power. And then over time, as the technology of streaming became commonplace, we saw they went into producing their own content, and the power shifted to those that were in the creative side, and they moved the headquarters to Burbank, and they, you know, we saw, again, a shift in power. And mm -hmm. it's, it's been really good for Netflix over time. Um, it's, you know, it's thrived as an organization through yep. a lot of market changes. And I think that's what we're seeing happen at Ford here, is we're seeing the ability 
for the power of the company to shift towards the electronics, the, I'm sorry, the electric vehicles. And we'll see, because dealerships are going to be wildly different. The old whole concept of a car dealer was back in the day you bought a car and it needed maintenance. I mean, Mandy, remember when we were kids and you, you tinkered on a car? I mean, most of us, we had to learn to change spark plugs and we had to learn to replace mufflers because it was the only way you could afford to have a car. I mean, these were regular items. You, you, you replaced yeah, a muffler course. every couple of years, right? And nowadays, and so what happened was the reason dealerships were dealerships was because when you bought a car, you needed a place to go get it fixed. Then you wanted a reliable place where you could get it fixed. And so with electric cars, that changes considerably. You know, there's no more oil changes. There's no more uh, transmission fluid changes. The, the, you replace the brakes every 250,000 miles because generative yeah. braking on the electric motors is so different. So the dealer now is much more of a retail sales outlet, right? It sells the car with, with minimal service along right. with it. What's remarkable about uh, most of these situations with these businesses, as, as we've talked about, is the, the common denominator of what keeps them in place. And, and uh, I know from your book, Adam, you use the word uh, defend and extend, right? They're, yeah. they're trying to defend and extend their, their current uh, way of doing business. Is It all comes down to, I think, perception, and it comes down to pride, right? Maybe they don't see the, the train coming, but maybe they do. And if they do see it, they don't want to react because it's not the way of doing business. You know, you can imagine all the naysayers when Ford said, oh, we're going to cut all, all passenger cars in the U.S. You can imagine all the, the naysayers saying, well, here comes the end of Ford yeah. or, oh, oh, my God, if uh, Henry Ford and, and Junior and third and fourth could see this, you know, they'd roll in their grave. But as you said in, in one of our very early discussions, they were themselves innovators, right? They bucked the system. Henry Ford bucked the system and created this new way of, of making cars. And just like today, the, the CEO of Ford made that decision to buck away from the traditional way of doing things in order to survive. Yeah, and I, you know, we're, I think we're starting to see more of this in the bigger companies. We, you and I, three years ago, we started off talking about Disney, and I was pretty negative about Disney. Um, you know, it seemed very locked into its amusement parks and the movies that it made in the history when the market was shifting, shifting quickly. And of course, in the pandemic, with the theaters closed down and the amusement parks closed down, it really looked like you know Disney could be on the precipice of a serious disaster. But here was an internal person been with the company for a long time, recognized the market shift, diverted the resources dramatically, put all of the energy behind uh, Disney Plus, and went on a tear after Netflix and, the, and that marketplace. Um, they didn't shut down the amusement parks, they didn't quit making movies, they're still in content creation business, but they changed, they shifted the power, and they shifted the resource allocation. And so during the pandemic, they built a much stronger Disney by, by changing where they were putting their money. Um, so, I know we're seeing some of this in the big companies, and I think for our podcast, it's good to talk about that because I oftentimes hear people think, you know, well, you know, the advantage of a small company is how quickly we can shift our resources. And I'm sitting there today starting to talk to leaders of smaller companies, especially, like I said, when I do these workshops, and I'm finding people that they're now falling behind. They're not thinking ahead in terms of what all these changes in the marketplace are going to be for their business. And they're still reluctant to create these you know, white space teams, these blank space teams to go figure out new business opportunities. And if the big guys that have a lot of resources are breaking through the, the log jam, the, the, you know, the not invented here problems, they're breaking through yeah. that defend and extend mentality of the old business to set up these teams and find new markets, 
the small guys are going to really struggle if they don't get in front of this and they don't become innovative and stay out there ahead. Got to become innovative, absolutely. Yeah, providing new solutions. So, I mean, this is going to be a big change. Like I said, you're not going to need the car dealers that we had in the past because the number of internal combustion engine vehicles go off the road. You know, every year a few of them get in accidents, they get totaled out, they get taken off the market, and the new cars are increasingly, you know, EVs. And so we're not going to have, you know, the Midas muffler shops. So, you know, one of those things have been Jiffy Lube oil chain shops. Uh, just think about all these things you see all the time, including gasoline distribution stations, right? Just where I go for the fill up, right? Those, yeah. The number of those is just going to go down. And, and what are our small businesses thinking about here? What are we thinking about? That land's going to become available. Those sites are going to become available. Are you going to turn them into yep. something new? And what are you going to do? Do you have anybody thinking about that, right? And that's going to all change. Easy. Yeah. That, that's, I'm going to give some... Uh, Statistics here that uh, I, I, I did a talk a number of months ago, and uh, it was about a lot of things and innovation and the kind of stuff we talk about. And I have some metrics on uh, General Motors and Tesla. So obviously we talk about Tesla quite a bit. We like Tesla. They're uh, an innovative company. They're leaning up against some pretty substantial trends. Uh, but companies like Ford, companies like General Motors, like Volkswagen, they're not going to just sit on their laurels. They're smart. Obviously, you know, you mentioned GM made some mistakes in the past, but check out these, these numbers. All right. So uh, these are, uh, I don't know, six months old, maybe five months old. So the market cap of GM is about $78 billion, right? This is uh, a measure of how, how, how big the company is, right? So if you look at the, um, it was founded in 1908, it's got 155,000 employees, and it has an annual output so all the actual vehicles they make is about seven million vehicles okay if you look now at tesla their market cap is 78 or 781 billion so 10 times the size they were founded about 20 years ago they have half as many employees so 700 or sorry 70,000 employees versus 155 and their annual output is about half a million cars so if you really start looking at what's happening here is, you know, General Motors knows how to make cars. There's no doubt. For every one employee, I mean, for 155,000 employees, they can make 7 million cars versus 70,000 employees making half a million cars. But, but you're right, Adam. If they make some bad decisions and don't decide to go into the EV space, then they're going to be falling behind, and we're going to watch this thing crumble. Um, and. Go ahead. Well, you know, I always say that growth covers a multitude of sins. And in the last month, we've, uh, I have to say, leadership matters. And Elon Musk runs, he's the leader of Tesla. He's a very, very vocal leader of Tesla, right? He's in the press a lot. He tweets a lot. So it's not my idea of the kind of leader, but, you know, he is what he is. And what has he done in the last couple months? Well, he said, hey, everybody's going to come to work in the office. Or I'm going to consider that you quit. Right? You're going to put a minimum of 40 hours a week in. Flies against the trends. The trend is work from home. You want to keep your most valuable people, then you got to keep them, you know, uh, you got to let them give them some flexibility to work. Um, so he, he, he's really, and then he says, I want to go buy Twitter. Like, why? Why? What does that have to do? You know, other acquisitions you made, Solar City. Oh, that, that made tons of sense, uh, you know, expanding your footprint in solar. Um, the Powerwall business, again, ton of sense in terms of helping bring uh, electrification out to people. The Boring Company, ton of sense. And they're saying, hey, if I can't build highways, can I run these boring uh, projects? And, and they've been very profitable. So, 
here you had all these decisions that were being made that, that really made sense in terms of looking forward. And then you see, oh, I'm going to buy Twitter. And you go, oh, everybody goes, that's a distraction. Okay, that's clearly a distraction. That has nothing to do with the future of Tesla. And, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about whether or not he's doing it just so former President Trump could get back on the Twitter platform. And yep. everybody's talking about stuff other than, you know, is Twitter a profitable company? Not very. Do you have any rationale for how you're going to grow revenues per user? No. Are we talking about revenue per user? No. And so then, now this week, he comes along and says, you know what, I think there's too many bots, spam bots on Twitter, and it violates the agreement. I think I'm going to back out of the Twitter deal. So all this is confusion, it's chaos, but you know what? Because Tesla's sitting in the stream. Because they're sitting there in the river, selling electric cars, selling shingles, selling solar panels. They're doing all, like I said, growth covers a multitude of sins. So yep. here we got this guy smoking dope with Rogan on the radio and all this kind of stuff. But nobody cares as long as you keep growing the company, yep. right? And I think people need to look at that and realize that whether you like Musk or not, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be quite clear. I think some of these things like Twitter are great distraction. I don't see how it made any sense. But everybody's going to forget about it. They're going to just forget all about it because Tesla's continuing to be successful. If Ford converts and Ford gets really good in the electric game and they're the number one in these small trucks and we start seeing, you know, Ford Lightnings all over the place and they're growing like a you know, rocket and maybe get a couple of other vehicles out in the marketplace that are successful, then, you know, people are going to forget about mistakes that Ford made. And, and if Ford Blue starts to disappear, you know, the number of cars go down, nobody's going to care. They're going to care because growth's going to cover a multitude of sins. GM not having the growth, nobody cares. They make seven million cars, right? So that lack of growth causes everybody to focus on their potential mistakes and their potential errors. So it's back again to you know put your resources in the as we say in the river. Get, make it easy on yourself. Quit fighting to to make money. Go where it's easy. Go where the growth is. Go where the market growth is. Then everybody's got those opportunities. As we look out there, we can see that where these opportunities are. But it often means changing our resources. And, uh, you know, I, I get in conversations with small business people and they say, well, you know, we brought in a talented group of people. And we've had them here. And we may, you know, it's a privately held company, but we gave some shares to some of our best employees. And some of these people have been here 10 years. And I know their children. And I hear all of this discussion. So, you know, I, I'm sure it's very emotionally important to you. But the question is, are you ready to let the company fail over it? Yeah. You know, or are you going to step yeah. up and say this, you know, to grow, we got to go in this direction and think more like Netflix, think more like Ford and make those commitments and, and be ready to push forward. When I remember distinctly when Tesla bought Solar City, and most people thought that was a really bad idea. I wrote a column for Forbes at the time explaining why that was a good idea. And, uh, you know, it, it, and it's worked out quite well. It, it reminded me of back in the day when General Sarnoff was running um, RCA, Radio Corporation of America. And they'd gotten out there and, and he's like, okay, we need to get television. They start making television sets, but nobody was watching television. So no programming. So chicken and egg, what are you going to get, the television yeah. or the programming? So what did he do? He created, he took the national broadcasting um, NBC, National Broadcasting Corporation, which was a radio station. He bought it, brought it into RCA, and he started mm -hmm. making his own 
tell his own uh, content. So he had the content on one hand and he had the box on the other hand, right? And I saw Tesla and Solar City the same way, going in that same direction. And so that's what we need to be looking at. And I think in case of Ford and Rivian, some of these companies, we're gonna see them just like Tesla, they're gonna get into charging stations, they're gonna get into home, home charging stations, road charging stations, they might, instead of having a lot of dealers, they might get into franchise charging yeah. systems. I mean, you could you can kind of imagine how this could go forward for these people to expand and grow. Now, if all those companies can start to see some of those opportunities, then our entrepreneurs ought to be jumping in there as well. Yeah, they should be right on, on, the, on the edge of that. People oh, ask, okay, right. what do Spark Partners do? They, they say, what do you and Adam do for your customers? And, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, here's what we do. We help you to grow, right? You've got to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. We help you to grow by selling more of what people want to buy. Now, that sounds kind of ridiculous, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what, uh, what it takes to grow. You've got to have more customers. Well, what does a customer want? Well, obviously that is the name of the game and, and Adam and I talk ad nauseum about the value of trends. If you align your business with emerging trends, you're gonna be able to take your company further, faster, and, and be able to enjoy that success that we talk about. You know, we've got our course and we're also offering something new, which is a more handcrafted sort of, of executive coaching where we come in and speak with the executive leadership and build into your your uh, way of operating that next path forward, that next lily pad to jump onto. If you're reacting to what's happening in the industry today, you you might be too late. You might be right on the on the money. You want to be getting ready to react or react, not reacting, but proactively reaching out into the direction of those new markets. And and certainly, uh, you know, you've seen things that we've talked about on the podcast uh, come true, if you will. And uh, we invite you to reach out to us, Manny at SparkPartners.com and Adam at SparkPartners.com. And uh, if we want, uh, you know, we can uh, bring you on the show or talk about your, your project and see how we can make you uh, more successful. Back in the mid-80s, you know, I was got out of business school, and, and that, that was still at a time when almost everybody in the United States had a television antenna on the top of their house, right? And then you got NBC, ABC, CBS, and PBS, and that was basically it. Uh, and so the whole concept of cable television was brand new, it was coming along, and the federal government said, okay, you know what, we're going to put up what we call the, the, the licenses, the cable licenses. And so they had a nationwide auction, and you could buy the license for Chicago, but you could also buy the license for Peoria, or you could even get a license for, for a smaller town or a more rural town. And so there were a number of entrepreneurs at my school, Harvard Business School, that got together and they hooked up with some professors and they raised some money and they went out and they made a bunch of bids to buy up these um, franchises, the cable franchises. They got ownership of them. They started to dabble in doing some development. They put some development out there. But what they saw was that eventually the people, the big guys were going to buy the Chicago's, the New York's. That's where the big money was going to go initially. And they're going to start getting that set up on cable. But what would happen was eventually this the little they'd reach out for the whole marketplace, and so they would they bought these smaller franchises. They got them started up. They hooked them up. They, you know they're working in smaller towns. You know like a Napa, California, with thirty thousand people. And, you know that's kind of where they were. 
realizing though that over time they would be acquired and that and several they made a, millions and millions of dollars because as cable became the basis as the you know antennas on top of the houses went away and we got down to where it's Comcast and DirecTV and AT&T and I think that's about it right that in terms of where you're going to get your television they got out selling out at huge multiples huge premiums. I mean, I'm not joking when I talk about how millions and, and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars these entrepreneurs made off this. Their investors did well. I tell that story because the world's a changing place. It's not just brand new. That story comes from the 1980s. And so what we have to realize is those opportunities are out there for our entrepreneurs today. And you can make a lot of money if you get out there and you put your money into the thing that's going to be the next big thing and where it's growing and we keep talking about this stuff right we talk about evs we talk about um the demographic shifts we're creating opportunities in ai and robotics and we talk about the you know the the ecology and how people are thinking about uh ways to clean up the environment how to uh, make vehicles and make things that are less are more environmentally friendly these are opportunities, and I tell you, if you can't see them, then call us because we see them. <laughs> we see them. We can see. Do you remember your yet. first cell phone, by the way? I don't have my. I don't. No, think do you I remember what, what it was? Oh, do I remember what it was? Uh, gee, no. I re all I remember was in Sprint. <laughs> That's what, was it one of those Nokia bricks? I wonder. I didn't go back that far. No, I, uh, I I was not an early adopter of cell phones for my own personal use. I didn't have that sort of really big need to, to spend $1,000 a month. <laughs> yeah, so I had a cell phone way back in the day. My, my first was a, uh, a Motorola StarTac, which is a, a still like that. Uh, pretty amazing. And the reason I mentioned that is uh, the idea of this early adopter. If you see things, you know, you built the network before you have to uh, deploy the, you know, the, the technology. And right now, there's opportunities in the metaverse. There's opportunities with electric vehicles. There's opportunities with uh, transportation, logistics. Uh, I, Healthcare. I Healthcare is changing dramatically. Healthcare. Elderly care is changing dramatically. Uh, pharmaceuticals and biopharma are changing dramatically. Yeah, the, the, it's, uh, you know, I think the world was always changing dramatically. We just didn't know how to talk about it back exactly. then. And now we have a vernacular for it. We have a way to talk about it. And we have an approach where we can talk about understanding, where, mapping out where your current resources are invested, looking at how to create a growth megaphone, then looking at how to divert or change your resource allocation process so whereby you can be more successful to get a higher rate of return. And uh, you know, good news is like, we've been at this 15, 20 years. And so it's possible for us to walk into any organization and start saying, oh, you know, I can see where you're over-investing in things that you've always done. And here's some places where you're under-investing. Yeah. And then let's get some people over there. Let's do the Ford EV. You know, let's do the GM Saturn. Let's get the thing out there and make it successful. Um, and everybody can do it. And there's no magic to this. Yeah, there's uh, no magic. It, it's just being prepared and ready and doing it. And I readily admit most people will do this once, twice, thrice in their career as a leader. You know, uh, the first one will always be the hardest. The reality is, is that I've done this, you know, 400 times over my career. I walked in, seen people with bad allocations, walked them through the allocation process, helped them develop the five M's and move forward. Um, you've done it, you know, 50 times or 100 times since the little time we've known each other. So now the point is we have experience at that. Yeah. We know what we're looking at. It's not like we're shooting in the dark. You feel uncomfortable. The, 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 the listener, they're feeling uncomfortable. Like, oh, Adam, easy for you, hard for me. And I'm like, well... 
isn't that normally when you ask for help? If it's if you know somebody right. that's done it before, you know. So like you know, if you want to learn how to play basketball, you go get some lessons from a pro. Right. Golf. Same, Same thing. thing. Yeah. If you're having you know some some health issues, you go to the doctor. Yeah. If you're having issues with your car that's not running correctly, you go to the mechanic. Why don't business owners? Why don't entrepreneurs and executives? Why don't they think that there is resources? available to help their business grow and scale. And sometimes it's about taking that bitter medicine, you know, plugging your nose and just taking the medicine and making it happen. Same thing with business. It t- it's a, it's that, that hand that needs to be, uh, you know, uh, moving in order to make your business move. But people are sometimes with their hands in their pockets. You got to take them out and actually go out there and, and make things happen. Well, we don't talk a lot about our coaching business, but obviously we're very proud of the coaching we do with companies. And I think people need to understand that they have the option of buying the course and being self-taught and they can go through the program. And we're happy to make that available. But at the same time, if you're just leery and think, hey, I feel like a golfer with the first time with a golf club in my hand, well then give us a ring and we'll get you the course and we'll sign you up on a dedicated program where we'll talk to you. We'll we'll commit a certain number of hours of coaching to you, fixed price, so that you know you're not sitting there thinking we're like attorneys that you write the first check and we never go away. No, we'll give you say we think you need this many hours, it's a fixed price, we'll meet with you on a regular schedule and you know you'll be boxed, you'll be time boxed, you'll be money boxed, and you won't have to worry about us running away with the project, you know, making everything way too expensive. So if you're feeling like the course is you want to go do it yourself, that's cool. But if you feel like you'd like some hand-holding, you'd like a little professional guidance, a few lessons along the way, then just give us a call because we've got those coaching programs sitting there ready. We can tie you into the classwork and we can tie you into it. So there's 28 modules in the class. One of the things we could do right off the get-go is say, look, instead of just doing all 28, why don't you, I've heard, I've listened to you start on, on four. Do exercise four first. And let's, let's give us some feedback. That kind of insight to help you yeah, move forward exactly. through the program, that's some of the, ins, the tips that we could have for you. Excellent, excellent uh, feedback there, Adam. Well, this has been a very exciting uh, podcast today, and I, I'm thankful for this opportunity. And, you know, we get excited about uh, doing this every week. Uh, if you have any uh, ideas or questions, uh, let us know. Manny at Spark Partners, Adam at SparkPartners.com. With that, Adam, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, Manny. Cheers.